The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, a very good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Drive with Peter Vlahos. All thanks to our friends, Ian Peterson and the team at Toolmart, the complete tool centre. 12 stores, locally owned and operated. I'm going to give Toolmart a bit of a plug at the top of the program. They are locally owned and operated. And if you want to get the right tool from the start, we're heading into spring. Of course, a lot of jobs need to be done And if you want to get the expert advice from locals that understand uh, our WA tradie industry and what's required, then you need to go and see Ian Peterson and the team at Toolmart. There's one close to you. People listening on SEN Spirit 621 in Bunbury and through the southwest, there's one there in Bunbury as well. 12 stores locally owned and operated, and they're great friends of ours here on Drive because they are the naming rights sponsor of the program. All right, a bit of happening in footy. As you would have heard in the run home with Hayes and Mardo. Firstly, Junior Junior Rioli has requested a trade to Port Adelaide, leaving the West Coast Eagles bitterly disappointed. Now, the Eagles' small forward met with the power last week, having a coffee with Staffer and AFL great Sean Burgoyne, flagging he hoped to join the club. Let's go back a week or so when he was doorstopped by a television reporter in Adelaide. Could you see yourself at the Port Adelaide Football Club next year? Oh, man, hopefully. We'll see how we go, you know. I, you know, see my manager can you know, look after me, work out a good thing. Yeah, I'm not into the politics side of footy, man, so if I could, you know, set myself up and... Um, you know, for you know, for the rest of my life. This is a big decision for you and your family too, yeah. Definitely, mate. Definitely, I've been um, through through too much the last eighteen months. So, yeah, I just want to kind of make the most of you know being in the industry I am now. Well, the Eagles aren't happy because his request for an exit has clearly upset the club. With Chief Executive Trevor Nisbet uh, barely concealing his frustrations in the statement that was released by the club a couple of hours ago. Now, Rioli, as we know, served that two-year ban for doping following a lengthy legal process after tampering with a urine sample and using cannabis. Now, this is Nizzy, and I quote from the uh, statement, we could not have done any more to support Junior since his infraction in 2019. We facilitated his appeal and subsequent return to football, so this decision is bitterly disappointing. We'll put that disappointment to one side now and work to arrange a suitable trade for a player who has high-end talent, is a premiership player and is in the prime of his career, having played just 51 games of senior football. Junior has made his decision and while he has indicated Port his preferred destination, we will work to get the best outcome for our club being the West Coast Eagles. So there you go. Nizzy not happy. And as uh, you may not know Nizzy, but if you do like I do, you get on the wrong side, he may make it a little bit difficult for Junior Rioli to get where he wants to be. So that has to play out. The trade period, as we mentioned, starts on October the 3rd. Love to hear from our West Coast Eagles fans, uh, either on the temperate bedshed text line 0487 736 736. Of course, bedshed are the experts in temper mattresses. Pillows and adjustable bases. Check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au. Your thoughts on what Trevor Nisbet, the CEO 
of the West Coast Eagles said in that statement after Junior Rioli decided to say that I want out and I went ahead to Port Adelaide. Give us your thoughts on that. Love to get your reaction. Or you can give us a call on the Scarborough Toyota open line, 13 12 55. The other big story, of course, is regarding Luke Jackson. He told Melbourne today that he wants to request a trade back home to WA. In a statement, the Ds said they would now work with Fremantle and West Coast to secure a suitable trade. I'll speak to Craig O'Donoghue from the West Australian about all that and the ramifications with both the Dockers and Fremantle, in fact, Dockers and Eagles, um, in in relation to Luke Jackson. So we'll have a chat to him uh, shortly. Also later on, that's sticking with the theme of footy, Neil Fong is the president of the West Perth Football Club. And, of course, all their three grades had a bye last weekend because all their three grades, Colts, Reserves and League, will finish top of their respective table, which is a a huge achievement. The first time West Perth in their proud history have ever achieved that. So they play a final against East Fremantle this Saturday at Pentanet Stadium, which is, of course, Arena Joondla for those people that don't know. It should be a big one. And, of course, the winner of that goes straight through to the grand final being the second semi. So we'll speak to Neil Fong, the president of the West Perth Football Club, a bit later on as well. So if you'd like to join us on the Temperate Bedshed text line, that number again, just repeating 0487 736 736. Now, uh, John Longmire spoke today, the coach of the Sydney Swans. Of course, they're gearing up for the arrival of the Magpie Army on uh, the weekend, what promises to be a brilliant Preliminary final, a sellout crowd. Of course, the Magpie Army are travelling north from Melbourne, and there's already a lot of expats, you think, on the north, New, northern New South Wales coast that have gone there in their retirement or in a better to get away from the cold of uh, Melbourne and maybe look at a bit of sunshine and heading down to Sydney to view this match. As I said, it's a sellout. John Longmire said this at his press conference today as they prepare for the match that will determine who books a spot in the AFL Grand Final for 2022. Uh, Yeah, well, I mean, we had a a tough training session on Saturday. So we trained last week, last Thursday. We had a a really good workout on on Saturday, a a tough session in in pretty warm conditions. So, you know, that was good to be able to have that under our belt. It's always the balancing act between, you know, making sure that your players don't get injured versus a really tough session. So, you know, we, we wanted to have a good session and so, uh, that's what we did on Saturday. Um, the players really had a good blowout, uh, pulled up well from it. So um, that's all you can do is is to prepare as best you can. And and we felt like you know, the weekend session was an important one for us. Is Ollie Florin 100%? He came off with that ankle injury in the, the first final. Yeah, he's fine. So he did some training on on Saturday. He'll train today, and he'll be fine. And Phil Lance, you've spoken a bit about him. The continuity he's had in training and playing has been really important for his return to fitness. Have you had to do anything differently with him having the extra couple of weeks off? No, I mean, he, he, um, he's he been training and, and training hard. He had a really good good session here on Saturday, a hard session. He's really set himself for that. And um, and so he, he did that, trained well, pulled up well. So um, he'll train again this week and, and get ready to go for Saturday. Do you seem particularly keen to bounce back after a rare, quiet one in a final? Look, that, that happens. It happens even to the best. And um, you know, that was a couple of weeks ago now. He, he's put that behind him. He knows he'll have a, a wonderful opponent again this week. So it doesn't get any easier. But that's what this time of the year is about. You're going to be playing against the best teams, the best players. Um, you know, he's a competitor. He prepares himself very well. And 
He'll do it again this week. Sure, the guy we didn't play, didn't play that day. Yeah. Um, so, the thoughts on how he might pose a threat for you and the potential matchup for him? Oh, clearly he poses a threat. He's a very good player in great form. So, um, yeah, we, we look at that, obviously, but we also look at Crisp, um, Pendlebury, uh, Josh Dacos, Nick D They've got plenty of great players still side bottom. So, it's about the collective. Um, it's understanding that they've got various strengths and we know what the goey's strengths are and he's in great form. Um, but usually it's about that collective midfield group and making sure that we get our, our two-way play that we really like to play uh, in line and, and in good nick for Saturday. So there you go. There's John Longmire uh, talking today uh, ahead of a training session and their match against Collingwood uh, at the weekend on Saturday. Around 2.45, it gets underway our time. Just regarding Junior Rioli, uh, Spiri down in Bustleton, listening on uh, SEN Spirit 621. Good on you, Spiri. He says, I'm fine with Junior going. One of the few West Coast Eagles players with any trade currency. Good luck in the future. Junior, who's on his way at this stage to Port Adelaide. When you look at the Collingwood Magpies, Craig McRae, interesting, he stated that he thought he coached poorly the last time the Magpies played at the SCG, courtesy of AFL 360. We marked the ground today. You probably saw that. Yeah. But, um, no, I just thought I'd coach really poorly. I, I believe in setting the players up for certain things and to hopefully make them successful in what we're doing, and I felt that I failed in that. So I, I told the players today that, you know, um, we would be better prepared for things like the shape of the ground, you know, so that we can train on and be prepared for that. And, um, yeah, those little details, I think, uh, lessons learned along the way. So how, do you, how did you coach badly? I just thought that the dimensions of the ground were, were different to what we've been playing at, and I didn't reference it. And I, I think that's poor on my behalf. You just move the ball slightly uh, differently, and you'll have to set up slightly differently. And um, it's nothing major. I'm, I'm just taking accountability for, for yeah. something I think I can do better. Gee's good. Uh, Craig McRae, honest as the day is long. Uh, he takes everything in its stride. And uh, he's been the reason why, <laughs> you know, some people with their AFL side out of contention have actually uh, maybe leaned a bit towards Collingwood and what the Magpies have brought to the game. When you look at what they've delivered, the AFL have certainly prayed to the footy gods above to say, thank goodness, Collingwood have had the year they've had because they've brought a lot of interaction with the supporters. They've brought big crowds. They've brought a dialogue. And Craig McRae, they've also brought a coach that's pretty humble. And as you heard there, is quite happy to take on uh, any, all the responsibilities and confess maybe when he got it wrong. So um, he's doing an outstanding job and certainly uh, in charge of a, a brand that is significant in Australian sport and they're constantly under pressure, coaches at Collingwood, and he's delivering it beautifully. Just regarding Jared Berry, now the tribunal case is still going on. The jury about to get directions from the QC. So if that breaks in our time, which is probably highly unlikely, you think, before 6 o'clock tonight, will certainly bring the news to you. We're not 100% sure whether it will break, but if it does, we'll bring it to you. Uh, we'll bring you the verdict when we get it. Okay, we're going to take a short break. On the other side of the break, we're going to focus on the Luke Jackson scenario. He wants to come back to Western Australia. Everybody has talked long and hard over the last few weeks, the fact that Fremantle want him in their stable. But West Coast have got the better 
bargaining power. Could he end up at the Eagles? Craig O'Donoghue's right across it from the West Australian. He joins us next here on Drive with Peter Vlahos at 11 past five. Yeah, still people uh, texting through on the Temper of Bedshed text line 0487 736 736 regarding Junior Rioli's decision to request a trade to Port Adelaide and also the statement that's been released by the West Coast Eagles and Trevor Nisbet, the CEO of uh, the Eagles, uh, really almost showing his frustrations in that statement, says we could not have done any more to support Junior. We facilitated his appeal and subsequent return to footy. So this decision is, in inverted commas, bitterly disappointing. Um, Just John Woodvale, by the way, says, while I respect Junior's decision involved family and if his heart isn't in it uh, for the Eagles, that's fine. What uh, I didn't like is the way he went about it, according to John of Woodvale. You can join us on the Temperate Bedshed text line anytime, 0487 736 736. Just regarding the Jared Berry situation, the last we had is, and this is only a couple of minutes ago, the AFL Tribunal has retired to consider the charge against Jared Berry for making unreasonable or unnecessary contact to Clayton Oliver's Eye region. Uh, the Lions have relied upon character evidence from Luke Hodge and the testimony of a neurosurgeon to try and clear their player. Uh, Scott Pendlebury, uh, the star player and leader for the Magpies, said this on the Berry incident a bit earlier today. Yeah, I sort of seen at the time, and it is. Yeah, I, I feel for him because it's when someone's got the, their elbow in your head pushing you into yeah. the ground. Yeah. I know if I was in his shoes, you're trying to grab or do whatever you can. It's almost like you're trying, you know, when you're a little kid, you're trying to pull him over you and get yeah. him in a headlock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to say anything, really. Nah. But I just thought he was trying to grab, like, jumper, hair, whatever you can. Because you, and I've heard people say, eye. like, um, you know, he knew exactly what I was doing there. And I was like, yeah. let me put my forearm in, <laughs> in your, yeah. in your in cheekbone, your, drive yeah. it into the ground, and then see how calculated. You're like that little kid, you know, when you get pinned by you your just older react. brother. You just yeah. get that rage fit. Mm. You just want to, whatever you can to get him off me. So Scott Pendlebury on Melbourne Radio this morning regarding the Jared Berry situation. So we'll bring you up to date. Uh, by the way, St Kilda tonight are conducting the Trevor Barker Award. That's officially underway. Now, we've got a St Kilda supporter in our production area, Jimmy Williams. Who's going to win the Trevor Barker medal tonight for the fairest and best player at the Saints? And Jimmy reckons Jack Sinclair by the length of the Flemington Strait. Good on you, Jimmy. Big St Kilda man. Yes, uh, blame his dad for that because his dad was a big Saint supporter from all reports. Uh, okay. Um, hi, Peter. Can't blame Trevor Nisbet for the way and the club uh, feel about Rioli leaving uh, and hope they can play hardball and do what's best for the club going forward. Good on your lease there from Ellenbrook on the temperate bedshed text line. We're going to give you a full wrap-up of everything else that's happened in sport a bit later on, uh, where Tom Rogic, the Socceroo who played with Celtic with distinction, where his new club is. So we'll bring you up to date with that. We'll also... uh, a significant signing and a new name at the Perth Wildcats will feature that, plus so much more. So don't go away. Stay with us here on Drive with Peter Vlahos, all brought to you by Toolmart, the complete tool centre. So we've covered Rioli. Let's cover Luke Jackson now. And joining us from the West Australian is Craig O'Donoghue, leading at sports and footy writer. Craig, thanks for your time. No worries, Pete. It's a busy day, isn't it? There's a bit going on. Yeah, and we'll talk about Luke Jackson in a moment. But firstly... 
Your summation on season 2022 for the Fremantle Dockers after bowing out on Saturday? Pretty much what they would have um, hoped for as a ceiling, I reckon. As much as they would have loved to have gone into a prelim, to play in their first final series since 2015, win a home final, and then well, I don't think any of us expected them to walk into the MCG with 90,000 people there and play Collingwood and win. Um, they weren't as competitive in that game as they would have liked, but winning a final in your first time uh, as a club back in the finals is, is a significant achievement, and it's a real stepping stone towards their goal, which is to win a flag by 2025, and I think this was exactly what they needed to do. They ticked all of the boxes along the way, and it's a real success for them. Yeah, were you surprised by Dale Alcock, the president of the Fremantle Dockers coming out uh, a couple of days ago and reporting that maybe next year they could win the flag? I think there might have been some emotion in Dale Alcock's interview with Braden Quartermain in the West uh, after the game. Yeah, he spoke to him in the room. Um, the emotions certainly would have been flo- flowing through everyone at that point. But th- th- they deserve to be confident because we've seen that all it takes is one really good year where everything comes together. We're seeing it with Collingwood at the moment. We're seeing it with Sydney at the moment. Um, if Andrew Brayshaw just goes another level next year, if Caleb Sarong goes another level next year, and these uh, forwards are like Michael Frederick and Lockie Schultz have another really good year, well, who knows what can happen? You just need to win the close ones to get into the top four. And if you do that, which they didn't do this year, they lost that one to Richmond. Oh, they drew that one to Richmond, sorry. Um, they lost another couple, which they could have maybe won. And you go, well, maybe if they had won those, they'd finish fourth. They, they could they get an extra home final, and suddenly you're in. So um, all they need is a little bit of luck to go from fifth to fourth, and, and that, that is a possibility next year. So who knows? If they can do that, they, they could be in a position to win a flag. Yeah, and the big question is, will they have Luke Jackson? Of course, today, one of the biggest uh, AFL Open secrets of the season was some what confirmed with uh, Melbourne's Luke Jackson requesting a trade home, not to Fremantle, but to Western Australia. Does that leave the door open, in your opinion, for West Coast to swoop? Because after all, they've got better bargaining power when it comes to trade picks. Yeah, they definitely have better bargaining power when it comes to picks. I don't think they have better bargaining power when it comes to money, though. So I think it's a real tactical decision by Jackson in terms of saying, I want to go home to Western Australia, because then he's leaving the door open to say to Melbourne, well, if if you don't allow me to go to Fremantle, I can walk through the preseason draft and go to West Coast because they'll have second pick in that. So I think that's a really smart move. We know West Coast have picks 2, 20, 26 and 38, whereas Freo have picked 13 and they don't have another pick until the 70s. But what we know is that they've had a lot of discussions with Jackson throughout the year. There's a big seven-year contract on the table, which he's known about for a long time and would happily accept. He's living down that way um, throughout his entire life with his family and he's bought a house in Shelley. Uh, So we expect Freo to get some picks when you think that Lobb and Logue and Tucker and Akers are all being discussed as moving out and Lloyd Meek and Liam Henry. So when you get six names there, that's plenty of picks that should come through, which will give Fremantle some bargaining power to work with to trade their way up and then hopefully be able to satisfy Melbourne for what they would want, which would be two first-round draft picks. Um, I think it's more a negotiating tool to say come back to WA, but he will really be focusing you know, on getting, wanting to get to Frio. Yeah, you're saying that's probably been in the pipeline for a number of months, and I gather Fremantle being very strategic on what they've offered existing players, knowing that they have been at the low end and knowing that some of them may look at going elsewhere just to free it up because, as they say, and as you rightfully pointed out, it's a seven-year deal reportedly, and it could fetch up to $900,000 per season. So out of the ones 
that seemingly want out or have no option other than to get out, who's going to be the biggest loss for Frio, do you think? I don't think any of them are massive losses. I, do, I think Logue is the one who they would uh, miss the most given his flexibility. He can play forward. He can play back. So if Alex Pierce gets hurt, they would miss him then because of his ability to go back. Um, he's not a great forward, but he, he gives them an extra person in, in attack. Uh, in terms of the others, Akers is a wingman. They can find another player to play that role. Uh, when you look at you know, Lloyd Meek, obviously it looks like he'll he'll be out the door, but they're bringing in a ruckman, so Meek wasn't going to get really an opportunity. And Lob, as much as he's played well at times this year, hasn't ever really proven that he's a genuine bona fide premiership winning key forward. So they need to find someone who, who can be that sort of player. I think Amos is looming as that player in a couple of years' time. So the picks that they get... For those players, if they're between 20 and 40, all of them combined, they might be able to trade their way up uh, with a combination of picks to get some better players, uh, get some better picks, which will get them the player that they want, which is Jackson. The question is, will Jackson become an absolute superstar, or is he a, a slight ruckman, a slight forward, and not really sure which one he's best at? Will be the really interesting thing for his development. Yeah, and he's been just a bit off in the last few weeks. One wondering whether the the weight of expectation has even affected his on-ground performances in recent times for the Melbourne Football Club. We were discussing last night on my program that it could be even up to a dozen uh, Dockers on their list moving on, the likes of Connor Blakely, you know, Sam Sturt and others that have been playing predominantly for Peel Thunder. All of a sudden, they need to maintain the depth of Fremantle because there is some good WA talent that will be available, of course, uh, with the draft later this year. So how do they compensate, do you think, for so many players possibly leaving him and leaving them a bit shallow? Yeah, Sturt's an interesting one. He's one of those guys I think they need to keep. Blakely hasn't been able to be, uh, get his way into the team for a couple of years. So those sorts of players, and maybe a Collier as another example, you wouldn't mind moving on because they're the sorts of players which you can replace in the, in those roles. And we, they'd like to get Johnson in. They'd like to get Erasmus in to give them more opportunities and whoever they end up drafting uh, this year as well. So I'm not overly concerned if they, if they, with the guys who seem to be ready to walk out the door because you want elite talent to get you up into that premiership uh, window and we've seen what's wrong and Bracewell and these sorts of guys are doing it at the moment. If they can get more of those guys in rather than overall depth, you want to have 28 to 30 guys you know you can pick from. Once you're starting to go into those guys who are ranked beyond that, then that usually means you've had an injury-riddled season and you're not going to challenge for a flag anyway. So I like the idea of going for a bit more top-end talent and instead of having the overall depth where you can call upon you know, pick the guy who's ranked 33 just to help you fill a role midway through a season. Yeah, Craig O'Donoghue from the West. As we let you go, Craig, the other thing, and we've sort of discussed it uh, very much openly to a certain degree, not knowing whether there's any definitive uh, seriousness about this, but Peter Bell, I was watching on the couch last night, and John Ralph there in Melbourne came on, and they threw him the question about the North Melbourne CEO, And he was pretty confident that Peter Bell is the man they're searching. So even though the Dockers may lose a few players, will they lose their head of football, do you think? It's a really interesting position for Bell to make a decision. If he wants to be a CEO long-term, then here's his chance. And it is the club that he played for. Uh, he, He won premierships at North Melbourne. But he's also in a really interesting family phase of his life at the moment, you know, with, with his kids and his schooling. We know it's not easy to move when you've got kids who are at school. He may view it as this is the perfect time before your kids get into the sort of year 10, 11, 12 
sort of time and, and go now rather than waiting three years. Or he may want to be settled and stay in WA and try to win a flag with Frio. I think one of the things that would be really challenging is you turn around and you say, I'm not going to win one if I go to North Melbourne in the next couple of years, but, geez, there's one sitting here for Freo at the moment in a couple of years' time. So it'll be it'll be a challenge for him to make that sort of decision, but it's not easy to get a CEO's job. So um, big decisions for Belly. It doesn't mean that uh, just because North Melbourne want him, they're going to get him because we've seen in the past. They've wanted a lot of people, and mm. it hasn't worked out for them. So it hasn't necessarily been a destination club until suddenly Alistair Clarkson arrives. I'll tell you what with Belly, because I've worked with him, of course, for a number of years at 6PA. He doesn't stay in one position too long. He went from... Of course, 6PR to the ABC, and then, of course, he got involved with the Fremantle Dockers. I reckon he gets itchy feet pretty quickly, Peter Bell, so we'll have to wait and see what happens regarding the North Melbourne position as well. Uh, Craig O'Donoghue, appreciate your time, mate, and uh, no doubt this week's going to be a very interesting one as we await certainly a few players coming out from Fremantle in particular saying they want to be traded to uh, certain clubs in the East. Thanks for your time today. No worries. Have a good day, everyone. Yes, coming up after our next chat, we'll bring you up to date with sport. All thanks to Tyre Power, buy three and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres at Tyre Power. I tell you what, uh, they've been a power in the WAFL, both at league reserves and Colts level this season. We're talking about the West Perth Football Club and joining us is their president now, Neil Fong, ahead of a big weekend for the Falcons. Neil, thanks for your time. Good evening, Peter. Great to be with you. It's been a great season. Now, you're telling me uh, off the record, or before we came on, the first time that's happened in the Cardinals slash Falcons Football Club being top in all three grades. Yeah, look, it's something we are proud of, uh, to have all three grades um, finish top of the ladder. Uh, And uh, we just hope that we can continue to go for a few more weeks with all of our three sides, which we're as I said, very proud of. Why has it been such a successful season for West Perth? No doubt it's important to get things right on the field, but off the field as much. Look, um, we appointed a new coach at the beginning of the year, senior coach at Darren Harris. Um, We developed a new strategic plan where we basically had uh, a vision, which was to bring everyone together, together as one, a club that everyone felt part of and proud to belong to so we've we've tried to unite um you know all of our players and our fans had our girls and women's um commence for the this year so that's provided a a really good um exciting kind of dimension to things and we've worked really hard off the field to to become financially stable after you know after five years ago Mm. almost uh not being there Interesting. That was going to be my next question. I remember working for, I think it was Channel 7 at that stage, uh, five years ago, and I was parked outside of Arena Joondalup. There was that big meeting of members because the club was on its knees. You were saying it was five years ago. So you've turned it around pretty quickly, haven't you? Well, it's been a really big team effort from, you know, from all of our fans and members, sponsors, supporters and players and, and, and coaches and board. Everyone's pulled together. Um, it's been a you know, fantastic time to be out there. I, I was, uh, I said to Murray McHenry at the time, who was the chairman of the football commission, who asked uh, myself and Ross Kelly and Paul Murray and others to come back and help. And uh, I said, I, I, you know, happy to see if we can what we can do in a year. Uh, five years later, we're still there. So it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of hard work, but it's a very big team effort mm. from 
so many different people. So how does the club sit financially right now heading into a, a big final series? Well, you know, we've got money in the bank now um, and we're repaying the loan to the Football Commission. Um, we hope to make a, a, you know, a reasonable profit. We're certainly on, on track to make a budget profit for this year, which for a Waffle Club, in fact, in this environment is is a good thing to do to actually make a profit. Um, mm. And uh, we're, we're, we're well on track to do that. We've had really good support from, from our sponsors. And even from, you know, five years ago, no one has really left the fold, which has been, you know, a great testament to the loyalty people have to the red and the blue. I know you pitched to maybe have the grand final at Pentanet Stadium or Arena Joondalup, as a lot of people do know. Were you disappointed you didn't get it? No, not at all, not at all. Like we, uh, we were asked to put in a tender. We did, um, you know, at the end of the day, I kind of understand where the Football Commission got. If leadable over was up to standard and up to scratch, which we fully expect it to be if they've resurfaced. Um, and if the rain stays away, then, you know, that, that makes sense. But, you know, we're a, we're a great venue. It's, it's got a great, um, you know, a great bowl where people you know, get a very big crowd. Uh, and, you know, we were, we were looking forward to, you know, doing it if that was what happened. But, you know, we would be happy to play if we get there. You know, grand final anywhere, Peter, and of course we're going back to Leaderville over where, you know, uh, we've got spiritual roots there anyway. Yeah. So that'd be mm. quite exciting. No, it'd be fantastic, and uh, certainly you're in the box seat. Of course, taking on East Fremantle this week should be a beauty in the second semi. Can I ask you about your relationship with the city of Joondalup, uh, Neil? Because at one stage it was a bit strained. I gather it's a lot better now. Yeah, look, it's not so much the city. I think the strained relationship was with uh, the government venues West provider. But we've worked really hard and the staff at Venues West, led by Dave Everington and their board and us, have really come together to, you know, make it a mutually uh, beneficial relationship rather than one that was probably more antagonistic over the past 25 years. Um, so, you know, look, very good relationship with Venues West. City of Joondalup, uh, we, we, you know, we enjoy a, a good relationship with and there's more that we want to do with, with them. Uh, we were, you know, they were involved in the tender for the for the grand final, and were very supportive of that. So, mm. you know, we, we've worked hard on relationships. One thing that always kept cropping up, and now it's very much uh, quietened off considerably, was the brand West Perth Football Club. It's a significant brand in the history of West Australian sport. Don't worry about that. But years ago, there was the conjecture whether West Perth would change their name to Joondalup. Is that dead and buried now, Neil? Oh, look, I think it's certainly buried, whether it's, uh, whether it's dead and it's going to raise its head again. I think we'll wait and see. But we've had, other, we've had other big issues to focus on in the last five years. And the change of the name was certainly one of them. I think West Perth as a brand, um, many, many people hear about West Perth. I don't think they automatically think of the geography of West Perth, you know, down you know, next to the, the city of Perth. So it's kind of a brand now, West Perth. And, yes, we are at Pentanut Stadium. We're at Joondalup. We've been there for 25 years. We're not going anywhere. Uh, and in fact, you know, they're a part of our, you know, uh, following and, and zone is, is even further north of Joondalup. So it would probably put a lot of people who maybe live in the northern suburbs of Perth, um, their nose that have joined if we kind of change the name to that. Mm. So, mm. you know, I think it's a brand and I think, you know, football teams and franchises around the world 
um, hook onto those brands, and I think that will probably remain. It's just amazing that Northern Corridor, uh, Neil, isn't it? It is a huge catchment area now. It's one of the fastest growing regions, not only in Western Australia, but in Australia, that Northern Corridor went up uh, as far as Hester Avenue. That's where the Mitchell Freeway goes and will continue to go on now, and there's new estates being uh, opened up at Eglinton and, uh, you know, almost at Yangship. Yeah. Uh, but it is a different community, isn't it? It's not all Aussie rules up there. So how much is West Perth working at community level to try and convert others that have settled in that part of Perth, primarily yeah. from other cultures that have got other sports as their number one sport, and try and introduce yeah, them to Australian rules? Yeah. No, that's a really good point, uh, Peter. We We do have a large area with a large population, but as many people would know, um, they are not necessarily of Australian heritage and there's a, a large British and South African contingent that live in those suburbs. And, yeah, look, we are we are very keen to try and convert them over. It's not an easy thing to do and you can't do it overnight. Um, so we've we've focused on, uh, on trying to develop um, throughout the schools. We've got a, a very good presence in the schools, over 5,500 young people, you know, playing football in the junior grades. But uh, it's not easy, um, you know, and we've got to keep working at that. But, um, you know, we, uh, we also don't have a huge country zone. So that's the other thing that I think the commission needs to look at. I mean, we have one high school basically in our country zone, so we don't recruit from there. So uh, the, the emphasis is to, to, grow, to grow local. Yeah. And a couple of final questions. You talked about zoning, and that was going to be my next question. You've just answered what West Perth have. Is there an advantage for the likes of Subiaco and Claremont in particular that rely on the public or the private school system in their zones? Well, that's, a very, that's another very interesting question. And look, clearly uh, they do have some advantage. I mean, um, you know, some of my own children have gone to those schools and the programs there are very good. The state schools, though, um, do a do a great job, and we had four kids in the state schoolboys this year from from our area, uh, and so the, there is a there's a fertile ground there for for working with um, with kids that are not in the you know the elite private schools that are further towards the city. Uh, we just got to take advantage of that, and the same thing goes for the girls for that matter. Mm-hmm. But look, yep, there is interestingly the Colts, uh, the Claremont Colts this year didn't get into the uh, the, the final five, so. That's interesting. Yeah. A big day uh, coming up on Saturday, and you look at the West Perth Football Club, top at the Colts, top in the reserves and top in the league. Neil, as we let you go, uh, your thoughts on the state of the WAFL competition? I've certainly seen some great games uh, this season, and for the most part, uh, every side, with the exception, I suppose, with the Eagles and Perth, have had the ability to beat uh, one another. Oh look, I think the standard of the waffle um, has, uh, you know, is fantastic. I mean, I've been involved in football administration now for over 20 years, and this last couple of years, including this year, anyone in the senior competition out of these next uh, four teams that are left could win. I mean, we are not getting ahead of ourselves at all. There's no hubris that's um, leaking into West Perth. We we don't we don't care about being top of the ladder. You know, at the end of home and away, we want to be there at the end. So we've got still got a lot of a lot of work to do in the next couple of weeks against very, very good opponents. But yes, um, the quality of the football it is very, very good. And frankly, it's great to be able to get down and see that action 
and we hope lots of fans do. Good on you, Neil. As we let you go, there's John of Woodvale uh, who's sent in a text to you saying, since the Eagles were so bad this year, my beloved Cardinals have given me something to cheer about in the waffle. So there you go. You're making a lot of people, even that remember the Cardinals days, very, yeah, yeah, very we, happy. Well, we don't mind what we get. You know, Falcons, Cardinals, West Perth, you know, red and blue. Garlic munches. Garlic munches, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have everybody, mate. Good on you. All right, Neil, congratulations on a brilliant home and away season and no doubt from uh, everybody associated with West Perth far and wide. Now the business starts as you try and, of course, uh, get another premiership for the Falcons. Thanks for your time this afternoon. Thanks very much, Peter. Good yeah. on you. 16 to 6 here. There's uh, Neil Fong, uh, the president of the West Perth Footy Club. And Jimmy's smiling from ear to ear. He's a big Garlic Munchers fan. Yeah, no, they've been good. They've been good. But look out, the Royals are coming next year. Now, regarding East Perth, people keep asking me, how is their coaching situation going? There's five candidates. But I don't know who they are. There's been a couple that have uh, inquired. And uh, East Perth have said, no, thanks very much for inquiring, but you're not what we're looking for. But there's five that are on the radar at the moment. Who they are... I don't know. So we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see uh, who East Perth, who Perth, and who Swan Districts do state as their coaches for 2023. A quarter to six, we'll wrap up everything else that's happening in sport after the break here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. Thanks to Toolmark. Okay, let's update sport uh, for Tyre Power. Buy three and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres at Tyre Power. They're still deliberating uh, regarding the Jared Berry case. Earlier today, before they went to the tribunal, Greg Swan, the CEO of the Brisbane Lions, says this is what they were going to be arguing to the tribunal about Berry. Yeah, the gist of it will be that we, did, you know, we had no choice. Um, you know, Oliver's got his elbow in his throat and he's just trying to get him off. So where, where that leads to, we'll, we'll sort of finish off that today. But we've had some discussions about it, but it's just uh, it's annoying that we're even doing it, to be honest. So, but that's the system, so we'll uh, we'll turn up tonight and hopefully we get him off. It downgrades enough to get him off, but yeah, yeah. We, we, you know, obviously not deal is even better, but we'll, we'll work that through today. So there you go. That is Greg Swan. Just in cricket, Dave Warner admits uh, it would be a privilege to captain Australia after claiming there was more to his lifetime leadership ban than just the Cape Town ball tampering scandal. Now, Warner was widely reported to be the mastermind before, uh, behind the Sandpaper Gate controversy, which resulted in, as we know, in WA's Cameron Bancroft being caught applying sandpaper to the ball during that test match in South Africa. You reckon there has been a bit of politics involved uh, as well behind the scenes from Cricket Australia on why Warner has never been asked to maybe lead a side. Well, Australian bowler Pat Cummings has conceded it's not realistic for him to captain the national team in all three formats, but said it would be a huge privilege to lead the ODI team at next year's World Cup if he was offered the job. With Aaron Finch's retirement from ODI cricket, that has left the Australian team with two vacancies ahead of the 50-over World Cup in India, a captain and an opening batter. In soccer, Tom Rogic, uh, who, as we know, retired and thought his career at Celtic at the end of last season was basically enough and was looking at greener pastures and maybe another opportunities. Now, went quiet for a number of months after finishing at Celtic Park. Well, he will restart his career at the uh, Socceroo at West Bromwich Albion after the Championship Club confirmed the signing 
of the talented Aussie. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, something I was definitely after. As you said, almost 10 years is a long time to spend anywhere. And um, I've said a number of times I've only had fond memories of my time there. And I was fortunate that I had the kind of perfect send off. And then, um, you know, had a bit of time to reflect on that and then, you know, decide where next. And um, yeah, I just feel refreshed, re-energized, ready for a new challenge. And I'm really excited about the future. Yes, uh, so you go. Tom Rogic, the 29-year-old, was part of six Scottish Premiership titles at Celtic. We'll play under Steve Bruce uh, at the Hawthorns on a one-year deal. And it's interesting because uh, no doubt he's going to be in the Socceroos uh, squad for their World Cup campaign in Qatar that gets underway in November. Press conference today here in Perth regarding the Perth Wildcats. Uh, Brady Manick, uh, who is a bit of a household name in the state of Northern Carolina. Of course, uh, one of the overseas recruits for the Perth Wildcats. He's flown into Perth. He's training with the Perth Wildcats ahead of the start of the new season next month. And he spoke about his early indications on the team culture at the Wildcats. I just think, uh, you know, it, it kind of shows our personality. It shows... Uh our team and then uh, we're all getting along and just you know really mingling really well so it's, it's been really been really good and uh i really has anything to do with the hair but we're all we're all really liking playing with each other and it's been a lot of fun uh, it was okay um you know i left some out there but uh just playing hard and good to get back into swinging things get to playing again it was it was just good to you know get that game out of the way so coming up we can get rolling and for me it was good to get my feet wet and just have a have a good time and play hard Okay, there you go. And he went on to certainly speak about the coach, John Reilly, and also Wildcats player Tayshawn Swan, who also has been brought into the lineup. I like it. He's a, he's a player's coach. He's, uh, he's got our backs. He, he wants us to play hard. He's going to push us. He's going to push us, and uh, he's never going to come at us uh, individually and attack us. He's going to come at us from a coaching standpoint and try to make us better, and that's, uh, that's what I really like about him. And I just like his energy and uh, how he wants to play with the team. Yeah, he's, he's he's doing really well. He's you know what he did this weekend. He played really well, and uh, he's showing very good glimpses of being a good player and us fitting in with him very well. And just like everybody else, we're you know trying to still figuring out uh, playing against new 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 opponents and you know getting to get him in that position, that role, and got to see him put up a really good first game. So for us, uh, we're really excited. So there you go. Uh, the recruit from North Carolina, Brady Manick, uh, there at the Perth Wildcats press conference today. And finally, uh, the sledges are flying thick and fast ahead of rugby league legend Paul Gallons. How about this, eh? Unique boxing doubleheader. He's going to fight Justin Hodges and then Ben Hannett in Brisbane Thursday night. Uh, Gallon will have the challenge of fighting two Queensland Rugby League legends on the same night in what could be the last ever bout before hanging up the gloves. The Cronulla Sharks great will go in as a heavy favourite to beat both Hodges and Hannett. Perth and stop the pair's trash talk. I spoke to Paul Gallon on radio, I reckon, when he got into boxing. And I said, why are you doing it? He says, I want to secure a future for myself and my family. So the rugby league dollars that he got, of course, state of origin captain, Cronulla Sharks captain, probably not enough to see him through. So he's gone into boxing and no doubt his war chest has grown quite significantly. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, Jimmy. I'll be back again tomorrow from five o'clock for Drive with Peter Vlahos and I'll introduce you to a brand new member of the SENWA team.